1: Hello and welcome to Chatman on the Post, episode number three. We are back. I'm host Ross,
2: with me as ever is Dave. Hello, how are you doing? How you doing? Uh, tremendous. It, it, well, kind of, given the whole, <laughs> you know, the whole global crisis thing. But,
1: uh, are you stockpiling toilet rolls and tins of beans?
2: Not yet. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll come, but right now I'm just, what will be will
1: be. Yeah, been a supermarket worker this last week or so has been absolute chaos it's uh, we've had to restrict people from buying things because like, people are just taking the piss um but yes we're here and we're talking about championship manager something far more important than a global pandemic this week dave or this month even i should say we're talking about cm2 aren't we
2: we are so um cm2 is actually when certainly when i joined the, the party i think you did as well am i right in saying that yes yeah. ninety six, ninety seven. i think was my yes, first same for me so um we're going to start uh, off in a moment with uh with 95 96 which is how it all started um and then we'll touch on 9697 there is a load of sort of overseas versions that were released for these versions uh which we'll we'll also have a chat about um we're yeah. not going to touch on 9798 today um we're going to save that for a whole episode of its own next month oh, yeah. uh tied in nicely with the uh, cm cup which of course you are the defending champion of so we'll uh... it's like we planned it i know sometimes it all comes <laughs> together and then even when there's a global pandemic, we still manage to pull things off. <laughs>
1: exactly. So yes, we're going to start with uh, some chat about uh, CM2 the ninety five ninety six. And joining us, we've got a, a guest again this week. It's Mr. Dave Matheson. Welcome, sir. Hello, gents. Good evening.
2: Thanks for uh, for coming to help us out, Dave. Because as we just said to Ross, there we actually didn't start till, till ninety six. Whereas you recently have been tweeting a lot about ninety five ninety six. Um, before we get into all that, let's have your, your CM history. When did, this all, when did it all start for you? Um,
3: yeah, I sort of briefly dabbled in 93, 94, but I was only quite young then. I was about eight or nine. Um, my brother's friend, he had an Amiga, and I, was, I had an Atari ST, which didn't have Champ Man on it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I really sort of, as as you know, I'm more a 97, 98 man myself, but I did start getting into it in 95 when CM2 first came out because it was just so much visually better. It just looked like a much more polished game. Yeah. Um, again, at the time, I was relying on friends. I had a friend who lived at the road, Ben, and he had a PC and I didn't at the time, so I was basically just playing it around his originally. And then <laughs> as time went on, I got my own PC and then started my own Chapman games.
2: So this is um, dovetailing nicely into September 1995 when... when- CM2 first came out, and as you mentioned, it was the first game that had actual photo background, so throughout the CM1 yep. kind of series, they were, I don't know how you'd describe them, sort of artist impressions of players, <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of kind of pixelated, um, which yeah. I guess is standard for computers and uh, the Amiga at that time, so um, it was obviously, as you said, look a lot visually better, looked a lot more of an attractive game, uh, certainly at around a time when consoles like the SNES and I think the PlayStation was probably... On the way by this point, so they were yeah. competing with those. And um, this game also included the Scottish leagues for the first time, which I, I, I kind of surprised they went Italian before Scottish. But uh, <laughs> it's death on the Scots, isn't it? I, I guess it was just how the market was at the time, with uh, you know Italian football, Italia. Uh, Channel 4's Football Tally all football that kind the of tally, stuff yeah yeah which over at Lazio yeah. at that time was that why? It was in uh, Possibly. in the early 90s yeah, um, yeah. and I, I guess he was probably about to sign for Rangers around this mm. kind of time which probably is a coincidence but yeah, <laughs> either way um, so Dave you've been playing Euro 96 which again one of the first things you could do on, on this game was uh, was national management for the first time by putting in uh, Terry Venables' name you could be the England manager
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I originally downloaded CM2. It just You sort of uh, started it off again, actually, Dave. I saw you posting about the 2020 CM Cup, about the Anglo-It- Anglo-Italian Cup, <laughs> yes. and it, it it kicked off a very vague memory in my head that Oldham Athletic, the team I support, were in it one year, and I did a bit of Googling, and I was like, yeah, they were in it, and I was like, 95, 96, that would have been the first CM2, so I thought... I don't remember them being in that competition in the game and obviously played as Oldham a lot on it. So I thought I'll download it, did a few tweets trying to get people to uh, send me links to it, et cetera. Got it in the end um, and yeah, downloaded it, ran a game as Oldham and they weren't in the Anglo-Italian Cup. <laughs> um, I think at the time I just booted up a few games. It's just random um, who generates in the Anglo-Italian Cup. No, um, yeah, I think it was actually the last ever season they did it. So that that's why i came back to it although i did play it back way back yonder and i have played it you know a few times in between but i started a euro 96 save just to sort of get a bit of value for money out of actually going to the effort and downloading it and pestering <laughs> people on twitter so i did a euro 96 go a bit similar to dave's book for 97 um mm. and i just did a tweet just you know with my first squad etc i'm not you know i don't do anything massive like you guys with the blogs etc but did a tweet and it had you know, a bit of uptake on it and quite a few people asking questions and this, that and the other. So I thought i will carry on, just do the odd tweet here and there once a day just with recent matches and squads and how's it going. And yeah, there's a few people liking and retweeting, commenting and as long as someone's interested then I'll carry on. I'm currently on my way to uh, France 98, I'm only a couple of games into the qualifier but I'll probably get to France 98 and then I'll probably just move back to 97, 98 for one of my various saves.
2: So how how is it compared to 9798 in terms of uh, can you play sort of the same tactics or is it a totally different match engine? From what you've what you've found so far?
3: It's it's very similar. It's obviously very similar visually. Um, I find with the matches the ratings for the players are all over the place. Um, you'll sometimes get a team that'll have three tens and there'll be a <laughs> load of threes on the opposite, opposite team. So obviously they the Collier brothers refined that over time and made it a lot more polished for 9798. And you do you do notice how much there is different in ninety-seven, ninety-eight, with the tactics. You can obviously pick your set piece takers and so on. You can only pick your captain in um, 95, 96. Um, yeah, there's there's just a few little things that are different in the game. You talked about the background images with the stadiums, etc., which is a really nice touch. You think of ninety-seven, 98, it's got all these iconic images in the background. Um, you know, you think of Gazza at Euro 96 and... There's that picture with uh, Johan Croy and Bobby Robson, and you can picture them. But in, 90, in 95, 96, there's just these sort of uh, three or four generic ones. And as soon as I started playing them again, I could picture them easily. There's a guy in a flat cap on the terraces, and there's a guy <laughs> in, a de- in a denim jacket. And as soon as I saw it, and it just rolls between these sort of three or four screens. So, yeah, you can tell how much it's polished up to when it gets to 97, 98. Even down to things like you you know, in 97 98, you get loads of news items like players injured, shock, shock defeats, mm. um, managers sacked, etc. It's you get very little of that in the first CM2. Um, mm. and you, can whiz, you can whiz through it quite quickly,
2: yeah. I remember uh, when I went back and played through the series, as I was surprising, sort of the little things you forget about that were only added for 97 98, um, yeah, but. It still, it still holds up as a game in its own right, but uh, it's kind of like a, a better version of ninety seven ninety eight when you when you, <laughs> when you sort of played them all. Um, yeah. They ended up perfecting it over, over a few years. Um, yeah, they really did. When this game was first released, it was riddled with bugs. Um, and I'm guessing the version we've been able to download online is the patched version, because I don't seem to have noticed that so much.
3: Yeah, I've noticed a few things. There's the obvious one... Um, that everyone probably remembers, where if you bid for a player for X amount and they accept the bid, you can just go back in, adjust your bid, take it right down to free, <laughs> click cancel, and then you'll get them for free. Um, that's Beautiful. you know they ob- they obviously cut that out as time went on, but that was another one. But even with with buying players, things things got a little different as the games went on. Um, it's not in 9788, I don't think, but when you try and buy a player, quite often they'll say that the opposition club is unwilling to sell, but they might reconsider for a large enough offer. And then you end up having to go into this, adding like an extra sort of, I don't know, 40% onto the value to get them to consider it. And then usually they just sack it off anyway. But even then, if you, if you add like, you know, double the value, sometimes they accept, you know, it's, it's just something they've obviously tweaked with and taken out over time, but it's just the little things that you notice are different between the later versions.
2: Yeah. So I quite like that. I mean, uh- if I want a player and the other club don't really want to sell them, I'd expect to have to pay more for them. Um,
3: yeah, it makes sense logically yeah. because if, you know, you basically have players that are available or unavailable in 97, 98, and if they're available, even if it's their best player and you bid their value, if they're interested, as in your slightly better reputation club, they're probably going to come to you. Rego- you know, you don't have to pay over yeah. the odds just to get them to leave. So yeah. it was probably a little bit more realistic
1: for that aspect. It's the most frustrating part of 97.98 when they just say the players, we're not interested in selling. So I'm just spending the, the new managers, you just throw money at it.
3: Yeah.
2: It, it used to really annoy me as well, where you'd bid for a player and then you'd reject for whatever reason and think, I'll go back in. But then they yeah. just become unavailable. <laughs> but, but you could, oh, yeah. But you don't have that option with your players. So. No, you can't <laughs> make your own players unavailable, yeah. but
3: instantly, as soon as you've uh, offered for someone, you know they'll just go... Off the face of the earth. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, this is also the first game which included uh, commentary. Uh, Clive Tildesley's yes. commentary. Um, could you get it to work, Dave, on '95-'96 when you uh, I, when you give this a go?
3: I could. Yes. Um, I give it a bash, and I remembered it exactly as I did back in the day. <laughs> um, I remember, you know, Clive T- Tildesley is obviously an iconic commentator. But firing up for the first time, I thought this is great. Um, but the, one of the unique selling points of the game is how quick you can get through a game in a season you know you probably at uh, a push if you win a game easily don't bring on any subs press the space bar etc you could probably get through a game in maybe under two minutes at a push yeah. but with with Clive Clyde, uh, uh, Clive Tilsey commentating it's you know eight to ten minutes easily because it has it has to time it has to time his commentary with the words because obviously he's speaking and the words are coming out really fast. So if it's a cross coming in and it's a header at the back post and then the keeper's going to save it, it slows the words down so much. Um, so basically, everyone I know that ever played the game they turned that on because it was a novelty, then turned it off. Yeah. But they, um, <laughs> they used to use it for things like cup finals and big games and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's it. it that I think that's why they sacked it off after that. But I love I love the commentary because you'd be playing in like the cup winners cup or something like that and he'd have he'd introduce the game by announcing who was playing the game and he must have recorded easily 250 plus obscure team names Jesus. um and I'd be watching it and I'd be sat there with my mate saying you know ah oh, he's not he's not going to say this one he's not going to say this one and then he'll announce <laughs> it's, you know lilla versus such and such and you just imagine he sat in this booth for ages recording all these random teams and everyone just turned it off in the end anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it, it survived uh, 96 97, uh, but it was gone by 97 So I think the, probably the price of Clive Tilsley was probably deemed de- 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 not worth it <laughs> yes, for uh, exactly. how little it was used. But uh, it was a nice idea. Um, and as you said, oh, it yeah, c- no. certainly added a bit of uh, a bit of extra to uh, important games. Um,
1: it's something I wish it was in now, but I also kind of wouldn't use it.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Like To be honest, I didn't realize you could press space till about halfway through nine ninety seven. so, <laughs> so I've wasted a lot of time. Um, but, uh, as you say, w- the difference between pressing space and not pressing space is easily five minutes, if not more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's um, not think about how much time it's wasted. <laughs> It'll be a test of how successful I am at, at managing to cut out those audio files as to whether we can spl- <laughs> splice them in <into> <laughs> to this final edit, but... Uh, At least we know the options there somewhere. Yes. So around this sort of time, uh, they also released um, a couple of foreign league games, which was three leagues to a disc. So one disc had Spanish, Belgian, and Dutch leagues on, and the other had French, German, and Italian. Uh, You could only load one of those leagues at a time, but they were based on the 95-96 season. So uh, I suppose the kind of big plus was if you loaded the Dutch league, it be you could be PSV and have. You're very young, Ronaldo, at your disposal. Um, mm. Did either of you manage to play any of these releases?
1: I don't think so, but I'm looking at the pictures from that Juventus squad at that time. It's absolute filth. The strikers you've got.
2: Yeah, and the, yeah. Th- the thing about it as well, uh, sorry, Dave, I uh, just... Um, the rules around this time where you could only have, I think it was three players not from the country you were managing in, certainly in Italy, I don't know if it was the same across all the leagues, but, mm. uh, which was another sort of thing to overcome, um, which yeah, it was hard enough having you know, the three non-EU players, um, but, you know, three from outside of the nation you're in was, was pretty much impossible.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, that, that, that U.S. squad, <laughs> Alan Boxes, Christian Vieira, Zinedine Zidane, Lombardo, Deschamps, Conte, oh my God, you'd never lose a game.
2: You'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's
3: a real peak for Italian football at the time, as you say, talk about earlier with football Italia, etc. Yeah. Um The I, I didn't dabble too much in the foreign versions. I only really started playing foreign when it went to uh, 97, 98. Um, when I was doing my campaign to get this game back on my laptop, I, there's a load of links to download the game, and they, they seem to all be the Spanish league. Um, so that's something that's on there, but I didn't really do much about it. Um, yeah, they, the, you know how there's the player files, and you can do the editing in ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. It's the, they're similar sort of format, and you can you can import them into the editor for ninety seven, ninety eight. And there seems to be one file of players, which is all the domestic players, and one that's all the foreign.
2: All
3: right. so, yeah, it's just a weird way of doing it because um, for the Euro ninety six guys looking at English players abroad, etc. And there's like. Paul Lince and Daly and Atkinson. <laughs> 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 so it's just weird that they're in a se- in a separate file in their own database. Um, but obviously they brought it all together for later versions. But I don't know if that's way- the way they had to segregate things, why they had separate games, etc. I know on the previous pod you had uh, the Collier brothers on and they were talking about they wanted to make it one game rather than having all these separate versions, which I think was the right way to go, but...
1: I'm guessing that Belgian league was vastly underused.
3: Yeah, I, I myself, um, I don't mean to keep banging on about ninety-seven, ninety-eight, but I, I had a couple of saves in Belgium recently because it was probably the one I very rarely used. And there is some yeah. massive differences in, but we'll leave that for another day.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised to find Ralph was at uh a Belgian club on <laughs> on ninety-seven, ninety-eight. But uh, you know, the things you find out. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, the three—oh, well, sorry—the two foreign discs. Um, I had them both. I remember so little about it, other than playing and getting Ronaldo, uh, or <laughs> rather, rather being yeah. PSV to, to have Ronaldo. For some reason, I seem remember he was in the squad twice, like two slightly different names, as if it was like a <laughs> like, like a research error, which you know wouldn't be, wouldn't yes. be surprising. Um, it's oh. Yeah, but. Um, I tried to download one of them and it came out in a format I couldn't use and the forum I was getting it from uh, is now riddled with spyware which they've admitted um oh, and they're to, and they're, they're moving to another database another forum database so um I'm sure they'll come back at some point but yeah. um just just interesting to see how it, how it played out obviously they were they were fishing at the time to see what it was like to have the foreign leagues uh, w- with a view to 9798 and beyond having pretty much every league available yeah uh, so after that um they released a data disk update for c m two 2 um uh they also released as a as a separate game um which is what i had mm-hmm. um dave do you remember much about the the data disk format um i'm guessing if you had ninety five ninety six this was sort of like an add on was it or was it
3: uh yeah i i i think it was just a separate disc um almost like a game in itself as much as it was a previous version of cm2 i don't think from memory and i might be wrong you had to have cm2 to run 96 97 um, i think it was just like a new version of the game really albeit it was obviously just an updated version but you could see it, it, there's so much of the game and i don't know how much of the game they carried across from ninety three, ninety four, and the update disc from there i don't know if because obviously a lot of the data in there you know the stats etc it, it, it's easily carried over and I imagine there's quite a lot that's carried over from the original one. And I don't know if they drew the line when they got to CM3 uh, and just started again. But you can just see the same data just sort of creeping through.
2: Yeah, it was. it's um, one thing we found as we've sort of been playing around with the editor and things. There's a lot of um, sort of things that are hidden that if you try hard enough, you can sort of pull yeah. it back through. So uh, I do imagine they had like one massive database which they just kept adding to and, and sort of hiding things that were no longer needed. Um, yeah so this game was released in september ninety six uh it's the last one that was released on the amiga oh. um but the big changes here were that it upped the number of subs from three to five uh the whole Bosman ruling thing came in, so if a player's contract expired um you could bid for them for free and all that all the kind of fun that went on with that, which it's hard to really imagine a time before that was a was a thing <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess that's how it was back in the in the good old days. Um, yeah. Now, something that you might have to clear up for us here on the disc I had, I had England and Scotland, um, which sounds very similar to ninety five, ninety six. However, from reading about it, it seems they released like a, a an extra version which was England, Scotland, and Italy on one CD. Did either of you have this? I think
1: that's the one I had. Yeah, with Italy included. So I definitely remember doing some AC Milan saves back in the day.
3: Yeah, that sounds pretty similar to me. Um, I vaguely remember the three of them being together and probably doing something like AC Milan saves myself at the time, because obviously it was around the time they were were European champions as well. Yeah, yeah, so that does sound familiar that they were all sort of bundled together.
2: Yeah, I mean, the version I, I have, I certainly had, and the one I've downloaded only has England and Scotland on, so there must have been some sort of, you know... Extra release with, it, with yeah, all three. Yeah, patched of them. version or something. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> um, you can get CM2 Italy as a as a separate game uh, with the '96 '97 season. The, the, I posted the box art on on Twitter last week, I think. Uh, yeah. So that's definitely a thing. Um, any noticeable differences between '96 '97 and '95 '96, Dave?
3: Um, not that I can think of. No. Um, I, I think they were more just sort of refining the game. As I touched on before, there was you know the the player ratings were all over the place, and there was certain bugs in the game. I think you know ninety six ninety seven probably got rid of that bug where you can buy every player on the game for free. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think they would have that that would have been the kind of thing that was in there um, because they were just refining what they already had and changing the player database and the, the team database, etc. So I don't remember there being that much gameplay difference between the two.
2: No, no. One thing I was going to ask you about was. Uh goalkeepers on cm2 because for me on 9697 the goalkeeping is so erratic um you'll go from yeah. you know one game they'll be getting nines and tens and then all of a sudden they throw in a three or a two <laughs> uh to the point where like they just can't catch anything um do you, you, yeah. you find this or are I just crude Yeah, <laughs> definitely
3: definitely um i think that's a thing and as much as it is highlighted more in goalkeepers it does happen randomly as well um you know you'll get a, you'll lose two nil and your your left back will get a two and it's like you know you wouldn't even see that in the paper it's it, so yeah the player ratings if you look at the average ratings at the end of the season obviously some players have got like 8.6 which is obviously way too high and then others have got you know 4.87 over 25 games and it's like why were they getting picked um well it the, yeah, the ratings, and it just wound me up to the point where I've sort of come to terms with it and thought, I'm just going to sort of ignore the ratings and just go off what I think of how
1: good a player is. It's the best way to do it. I remember getting this game um, on a demo disc from PC Gamer, I think. you think you played like, the first six months of the season.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I remember there was there was a cut-off on the game.
1: Yeah, I remember getting, I asked my parents for money for Christmas to go and buy the game. I literally remember that would go to... Must have been Tandy. That's how old this is on <laughs> Boxing Day, so we can buy the full game and I can carry on myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think um, just going back to the, the goalkeepers' point here, I, I find the goalkeepers in '97-'98 have been sort of overpowered, and I think it's a, a sort of reaction to how bad they were on this. I think they, they, they took yeah. things too far. Um, yeah. Without having to rewrite the whole match engine, if they could just make the goalkeepers, you know, less deplorable <laughs> and uh, you had a you know kind of less of a bug on your hands uh, so that was my take on it anyway I think I must have over tweaked it so to, to help out with that
1: that was my plan for the CM Cup that's why I ended up with Proucy and Martes <laughs>
2: you can't play
3: both <laughs> you're not allowed to talk about the CM Cup after, <laughs> after the uh, injustice that I was suffering against you so <laughs> too many uh, four injuries I think I had for that game bad, bad memories Still, not, still can't let it go
2: <laughs> well, you'll make it a chance to get revenge. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe. maybe. Who knows? Um, so, after 96-97, uh, um, as I said earlier, they did release several of these games as uh, a foreign league version. So we had definitely had CM2 Italia, which we discussed. Uh, there was also um, Scandinavian league versions released, um, which covered Norway, nice. Norway, Denmark and Sweden. Uh, a little bit different with these ones because their season didn't start till um, I- April, so the game actually begins in March 96 and obviously runs on from there. Um, this is why there are so many good Scandinavian players in 9798 because they built the database for this game um. and obviously they couldn't really give them realistic ratings, so... You know, they gave Norway's best players the same status though they were Man United's best players. <laughs> uh and then obviously they were in the database of ninety seven ninety eight and they're really good and that's why we have so many great Scandinavian players. Yeah, it all makes sense now, doesn't yeah,
3: it? I, um, I I saw the um the the Norwegian update that was added into the Scottish League, um for ninety seven ninety eight. Oh, and yes. Yeah, I was I, at the time I was like I was really intrigued by it, so I started looking through the database at the Norwegian players, and I was honestly baffled that, you know, there's basically English players are the top pl- amount of players in the game, and then it's Norwegian, and then <laughs> it's like, it makes no sense whatsoever, but obviously someone really hammered home for that previous 96-97 version and just carried them across, which led us to the to the beauty of uh, Bjorn Heidenstrom and Tommy Svindle Larsson, etc. So,
2: yeah, well, yeah. It, it's finally solved the mystery of why... Certainly, in Bjorn Heidenström's case, he was so good at Leighton Orient despite playing like four games for them. <laughs> yeah. um, he, he was you know, a, a very good player in, in the Norwegian league for, I think it's uh, Odd Grenland, I think they're called, or something like that, I can't remember. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, and obviously, he just moved across Leighton Orient um, with those stats, so, um, <laughs> you know, it's another mystery solved. <laughs> yes. um, but it is interesting, actually, because if you... I only found this out when we did the World Cup a few years ago, um, when you make like Norway, Denmark, etc., as playable nations all their managers are looking for all their clubs are looking for managers so when you start a game (laughs) it's like a massive list of these clubs who need a manager so yeah um, as i said earlier like they're literally just in the game but hidden um so it's you know if you're sad like me it's quite a treasure trove of stuff you can you can dig into
1: yeah
3: don't worry you're not you're not the only sad one
2: Um, so yes, uh, I've managed to track down the Scandinavian leagues, um, I'll be happy to share that with anybody who wants it, um, I won't upload it in the same way I have 9798, purely because I don't know who owns it anymore, uh, whereas at least with 9798 you, <laughs> you didn't need the disc in the first place, so you know, who, who, yeah. <laughs> who's, who's going to track us down, but uh, for that <laughs> I don't know, so if you want a DM us and I'll, uh, I'll send you it. Um, do, you, do you have any, any great recollection of any of the abroad leagues or foreign leagues, whatever you want to call them?
3: Um, not, not particularly of the leagues themselves, just the way that the, the foreigner etc. developed. Because I remember, if you go back to the original CM2, Norway and Iceland, they're both counted as foreign. You know, so you've got your limitation of uh, the three foreign players you can play. Uh, so people like you know Henningberg etc. I think Blackburn had a couple with um, Lars Bohinen and people like that. It, it, I just found it baffling that. Norwegian and Icelandic players were considered foreign, but other other countries around the area weren't. Um, and obviously, being an Oldham fan, I had Gunnar Halle who was foreign, oh, which that. wound me up as well. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely certain little things that, that change between the versions.
2: So was that just because the legs of Norway weren't in the EU... Um, I, I wondered
3: that myself, and I thought before the pod, I thought should I research when Norway <laughs> and Iceland joined the EU? But I thought that's going a bit ah, too far. It's a bit, but, um, it's
2: a bit question time for us, like, for Exactly. I, just, you know,
3: <laughs> I didn't know it when I was eleven, so I don't need to know it now.
2: No.
1: I, I, yeah, that's we tried to do about them in the game before
2: <laughs> Yeah, I, I imagine it's something along those lines, but uh, probably is.
1: I had the
3: same thought.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's say it's true, and then let let <laughs> let, let someone else correct us on this
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> prove <Pretty> us <much> wrong
2: <laughs> yeah um, overall uh, where do um, these two versions 95, 96, 96, 97 where do they rank in the series for you both Ross you go first
1: 96, 97 holds a special place for me because that's where I came into it and I'm still playing FM20 now and I remember having a, a massive Scottish save I was Rangers and I signed Sonny Anderson I must have signed from Barcelona I'm not sure how I managed that yeah, that was. It, I spent hours when I was supposed to be doing coursework and revision, <laughs> just playing CM2, and I think my parents accepted that this is what I'm going to do, and uh, here I am 20 years later talking about it on a
2: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you?
3: Uh Yeah, definitely up there. For me, you know, it really went off, uh, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, really went off a cliff after 97, 98 for me. I was so excited for Championship Manager 3 coming out. Mm. Um, you know, I remember there was like a strategy guide, et etc, that came with it. You could yeah. buy um as as was normal at the time, and I remember just thinking, I was so excited for the for the extra levels they'd added to it, but at pick and training, you could pick every single penalty taker in order. And I remember sitting there one day and looking up the penalty stat for every player in my squad, down to the reserves, and <laughs> ranking them just in case I had one on the pitch for a cup game. And I, I thought, I can't do this. I can't do. It. I know I love to sign in squad numbers, but I can't do this. I, you know, and the training. I was thinking, you know, if I pick the wrong training session, it could massively affect my season. And there's only so much you can affect in uh cm2 and 93 94 so mm. i i have dabbled a little bit since then um i mainly you know if i play the touch games on an ipad or whatever it's just nice and simple um but yeah so so up for me you know cm2 na- and the 96 97 version uh are up there in my top few games obviously 97 is the one i love the most but yeah without cm2 i don't know if i'd have got that into 97 98 which is what i'm still playing now really
2: yeah, I mean, f- very similar for myself, really. This was 90- uh, Christmas 96, I, I remember getting cm too. I can't remember if I asked for it or whether it was, my mum was just very, very good at picking a game that was going <laughs> to decide my future. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, that's where it all started for me. I remember being absolutely terrible at it, um, despite, you know, at the time Newcastle, w- who I would have been playing as Newcastle, being, p- p- I suppose, one of the stronger teams in the league. Yeah. Um, I remember mm. being particularly poor, um, which... I guess now I can blame on the goalkeepers being poor. So, um, But I have I've have put those wrongs right um, and played the game back since. And really, I think back in the day, I'd have been playing 4-4-2 for everything because that's what, Definitely. That's what everybody yes. did back then. But, but it as well out as the
3: default wasn't it, it so was. you're sort of a little bit drawn into it of this is what I should do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you see the opposition teams and they're playing all sorts of crazy tactics with one striker and basically everyone else behind the ball and... and Strikers playing centre back, etc. So,
2: yeah, I think yeah. That, was, that was it as well. And as a you know eight, nine year old, I wasn't really willing to, to experiment tactically. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. if this doesn't work, I'm just going to switch it off. So um, yeah, I made
1: the Christmas tree and uh, the four fours. That was it. Basically,
2: <laughs> I do remember though. Uh, adding myself in as uh, I think I added myself in as Arsenal and Blackburn released David Seaman and oddly Grim Lassau. Those were the two players I wanted. Um, got them both for nothing, and then expected to have world domination. Obviously, didn't it didn't really transpire. But I think that
3: no, John I bet John Beresford wasn't happy with
2: that. One. Uh, John, John Beresford can go suck a lemon. Uh, I, think, I think as well, I had, a, I had a Scotland game with Celtic that went on for like seven seasons, but I, I, again, didn't win the SPL. And I remember adding all. I remember adding in. Uh, myself as Rangers manager releasing all their players and still, <laughs> still not winning the SPL so those were the levels of uh, talent you were dealing with back in, uh, in 1996 thankfully it improved <laughs> somewhat um, well I think that's, uh, that's all we need to talk about for, the, for this, this version of the game um, yeah. D- Dave um, where can uh, our, our listeners find you if they want to follow your uh, expi- expeditions on CM2 and beyond uh, yeah,
3: on on uh, Twitter, I'm Dave Matheson84. That's M A T H I E S O N. Yeah, I d- I don't really uh, I just tweet random stuff, you know, mainly Championship Manager, uh, Dream Team stuff like that, Oldham stuff. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's not it's not the best account to follow, but if anyone wants to have a look, they're more than welcome to.
2: Will Will they ever bring back Dream Team? Like, have this? to oh, hope so. Oh,
3: well, I keep I keep reading on um on Twitter that they should uh, put Dream Team back on during the coronavirus to give yes. us some kind of uh, oh, TV been... to watch, and I'd, I'd obviously be all for that, but I can't see it myself, sadly.
2: I mean, they've got what ten series worth of. Yep. Of, yep. Uh, ten series. I mean, for example. Why I mean,
1: is it not on UK Gold? <laughs> it has to be surely.
3: Yeah, I've heard all sorts of things because obviously they had uh, they had a soundtrack over the programme with, you know, they have various songs from the charts at the time, and I don't know if that's a licensing issue as well. Aww. Obviously, there's, there's there's Premier League footage as well, so
2: Wait, I don't, was, you know... I was... mean, Monday Bandini didn't <laughs> score all those goals. No, no, <laughs> just,
3: just when they had other games in it, obviously that was real. Um, but, yeah, I, I know it's it's like minefield uh, at the time. So I mean, I, mean, I, I remember when the programme was on and there was talk about, you know, why is this never on, why is this not released on DVD? And that was when it was, you know, airing, but... Yeah, yeah. It it's a shame, make, but
2: it doesn't make any sense though because they rerun Premier League years, and that's got music on from the time. Like, yeah, surely. But
3: yeah, I, I, th- I don't know if it's Hewland uh, International. Obviously, did the show, and I don't know if I, I really don't know. Obviously, Sky have got deep pockets, so they, you know, Premier League years that won't matter to them. But I don't know if there, there was some kind of you know Hewland International had to pay some licensing agreement or something. I don't know, but.
2: We should have a whip round. Yes,
3: Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I I chip in definitely. So,
2: I mean, that would be a great way to fill the next four weeks, wouldn't it? It's just ten series of yeah, Dream Team. Definitely. I mean, the Sky Sports oh. Football Channel today showed like every playoff final from the last twenty years. Or it's like, surely there's a, there's a space, a space in the schedule yeah. for Dream Team.
3: Definitely, yeah.
2: Well, we're living hope that. Uh, well, Dave, thank you very much for uh, coming on, and helping me and Ross uh, remember how this all uh, all this how this all happened. Um. No and uh, we'll we'll no doubt hear from you next month when uh, the CM Cup gets underway oh yep,
3: yeah so I think this cross goes a bit better this time
2: <laughs> well we'll see who you get we're hoping to do the draw next month um, we think it's going to be uh, Euro 2020 themed although it's probably going to be Euro 2021, 2021. <laughs> 2021. <laughs> nothing, oh. nothing changes my plans again <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright, thanks very much Dave we'll see you soon All right, cheers guys And now I'm off to have a chat with Johnny Sharples, or you may know him as Johnny Gabriel. Uh, He's been telling me about his history with Championship Manager. Hello, and you've joined me over in the interview zone, and I'm here with Johnny Sharples, or you might know him as Johnny Gabriel from Twitter. Johnny, how are you, sir?
0: I'm very well, and yourself?
2: Yeah, spot on. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for uh, putting the time aside to come and chat to me about uh, some old school championship manager. Um, I think I first found your Twitter profile based around um, Avicis Strock. Um, Am I saying that right? I've never actually said it out loud before.
0: Um, to be honest, you can say it however you want because he he don't exist, so he's not going to argue with you. <laughs> um, um, I did once get an, an- angry um, DM off a Croatian saying that I was mispronouncing it, but um, I replied telling him that Avic has never had issue with how I pronounced it, so I don't see why he should.
2: Well, that's only right. Um, now Avito, we'll come back round to him later on because he's, he's technically out of scope what we're talking about, but it's such a good story <laughs> I like it, so we'll uh, we'll make sure there's time for that at the end. But first things first. Um, as we're here to talk about championship manager, what is your CM profile? what's your your, your history with the game? Um
0: the first champ- the first championship manager that I played was um Champman ninety three. Um so I still have very vivid memories of the box that it came in with the man in the sheepskin coat pointing at there. Pointing at you, essentially. (laughs) Um, The Domark logo on the front and everything. Um, So I first got into it, I wasn't really interested in football until Euro 96 came around. Um, And at which point I basically wanted all in on it. Um, My brother was um, nine years older than me, so he was uh, well into football by the time I came into it. And he played a lot of championship manager on the Atari that we had at the time. Um, So I was sort of fascinated by championship manager from a distance and I think I plucked up the courage one day and asked him if he'd basically show me the ropes Um, and in those days like I don't know if you remember what championship manager 93 was like but on the Atari it took three floppy disks to load the game up and so it took he was 18 and it took a lot of his you know he could have been out drinking he could have been out you know doing whatever he wants he didn't want to sit there with his little brother who might just have a fleeting interest in Championship Manager, but he took the time to, to guide me through it. And, uh, yes, Championship Manager 93 was the, the earliest game that I played and then um, moved on to Champman 2, um, Champ Man, you know, 96-97, Champman 97-98. I played those. Um, I was um, child-minded by my sister's then boyfriend's sister and basically the child-minding um regime was that I would go round to their house and be put in front of their computer, and I would just play champ manager while I was there. So, um, so
2: yeah.
0: It, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was heaven. Some all summer holidays, when I wasn't out playing football myself, was spent, uh, playing championship manager. Um, and it, it was really good to learn. Like I said, I was, I was a bit of a latecomer to football. Um, and it took Euro '96 to grasp my interest, so I was sort of um, lagging behind a lot of my friends um, in terms of their interest in football. So, uh, Championship Manager was sort of an encyclopedia in, in, into who was who um, around football, and it basically gave me sort of in-depth knowledge, almost too far the other way sometimes in terms of like who the different clubs around the world were and who the who the best players around the world were. Um, so, it wasn't just a game for me, I think, and uh, I think that's followed me through through uh, through life really.
2: Yeah, that's definitely something I relate to. Uh, Whenever there's like an obscure European city comes up on the news, I say, oh yeah, that's in, you know, Liechtenstein. And my wife looks at me like I'm insane, but I do have a qualifier there in like 1998. like, it's just, (laughs) these things stick with you. (laughs) It's it's probably taught me more about the world than than any school has, quite sadly, but never mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So, um, again, I'm going to call you Twitter celebrity Johnny Gabriel because... um, a lot of your tweets go, go massively viral um, and the reason why I asked you on for this particular pod was because um, one glorious bank holiday I think it was you spend a lot of time on Chaman 2 with the famous Newcastle team yep uh, t- how, uh, how, no, no, how did that
0: sorry come? they weren't so famous um, yeah so I think it was uh, May bank holiday uh, 2018 obviously um, there was a World Cup round the corner um, and the season was coming to a close but I don't don't really know why I decided to load it up. So it was the the um the ninety six, ninety seven version of Champman two. Um which is obviously when that one blissful season when Newcastle had Alan Shearer and David Genela and Les Ferdinand, that beautiful fleeting moment um, where everything was everything was briefly perfect. Um so that's my they're my favourite ever team they're the first team that I really fell in love with and um, they have most of my favorite players Philippe Albert and Rob Lee and you know Shaka Hislop and Pavel Cernicek on top of the, the aforementioned uh, Ferdinand Giller and Shearer um, and so we finished second that season and um, not quite as closely run as the season beforehand and um, so I wanted to sort of change history and um, and yeah I, there were so many um, great players on that game I think um off the top of my head, I think I bought Rio Ferdinand, Dean Richards, uh, Sunday Alise. I remember Sunday Alise won the double with Newcastle, then went to the 1998 World Cup and his Nigeria team were beaten by Barbados in the group stage, which was <laughs> obviously a bit of an embarrassment for the the whole of uh, Nigeria and Sunday uh, in particular. But uh, yeah, Dion, Dion Dublin, uh, who else was it? Roberto Mancini at one point, who... Um, Was it Sampdoria? Sampdoria paid £800,000 plus Roberto Mancini to get, uh, was it Robbie Elliott? No, it wasn't, uh, Paul Kitson (laughs) for me, uh, which was a fair deal. Then um, I think I paid £1.2 million plus Steve Howie uh, to buy Luis Figo uh, off Barcelona, which again, good trade uh, if you ask me as much as I love Steve. Howie, uh, I wouldn't have uh, turned my nose up if Newcastle could have got that deal over the line uh, back in the late 90s. But yeah, Edwin van der Sar, Kevin Pressman, uh, there was loads of great players that I managed to sign. And yeah, I uh, won won the double, won the Coca-Cola Cup in my first season, then won the double in the second. Um, So yeah, it it was just a lot of fun. I think I was playing it a lot because I was working on the World Cup for... um, uh, different uh, for a, a company and um, I basically wanted to make loads of goal gifts based around champ manager but that ah. took it took so much effort uh, <laughs> to get all the because I wanted to basically updated um, all the squads so I had to have the England squad and um, all the variants of who the goal scorers might be so it took a lot of time and um, so in between that I think I was just playing a lot of um CM2, uh, which is a great way to spend, like you say, a great way to spend a bank holiday, a great way to spend a couple of months.
2: Absolutely, and uh, quite, quite topical at the minute because my, my, my mentions are full of people who are basically battening down the hatches and just installing retro champ managers to see them through this, uh, this corona crisis or whatever you want to call it, but uh, you were there first. We, we've we blazed a trail with us. So.
0: I, I, yeah, I, I I can't take much credit for it. Your uh, CM9798 website um, has been a, a great blessing. I went, <laughs> I went back and revisited uh, 9798 uh, last year sometime. I think it was after, uh, quickly, Kevin did oh yes, an yeah. episode on it. Um, and so just uh, went and found all the ret- retro names off there uh, and tried to get them Mainly Graeme Tomlinson. Um try and get them all on board, um, not get promoted and uh uninstall it as soon as as soon as possible.
2: It <laughs> does take over your life unfortunately. Um have you ever had a what would you say was your best ever save from any of the the Champ games? Um
0: probably that Newcastle yeah, one. Yeah. Um in hindsight I think when I was younger uh the first The first the first save that I can really remember having on uh, Chapman ninety three, and um, was with Newcastle uh, back when we were in Division uh, One as it was back then, and I cheated my way into signing Alan Shearer from Blackburn uh, by by adding a second manager. Um, signed, I think I signed Stan Collymore as well. Probably cheated my way to sign Stan Collymore. and I signed John Fashionu because um, I, he was he presented Gladiators, um, so he was one of the only footballers that I really knew who he was. So uh, I signed him as well, which was a lot of a lot of fun but yeah that newcastle one's probably in terms of champ man saves i think it's where especially going back a couple of years ago a bit older and a bit wiser and a bit more understanding of game mechanics and mm. things like that um and having the patience that you don't really have when you're when you're um pre-teen um, to sit there and, and scout through all the players and, and mess around with your formation and things like that so um i love to say i was a whiz when i was like Nine, ten, eleven years old, but it took me until I was a lot older to to really establish myself on a game that was was twenty plus years old at the time.
2: Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because I was just talking uh, to, to Ross and Dave there before about. say I'm 9697 was my was my first double in this uh, in, in the game at all, and I was terrible at it. It's like I, I don't know why I even continued playing it because I don't remember having any success at all. Um, but some like things you you must have, you must have been similar when it first came out.
0: Yeah, and it's um, like CM ninety seven ninety eight. I have really vivid memories of um, obviously Ibrahim Bakayoko um, learning who he was, but I couldn't get a tune out of him um, at any point. When I've gone <laughs> back and when I've gone back and played it now, I literally cannot understand why he's so revered. I look at his attributes and, and can get to grips with it, but uh, in practice, I just don't understand how to get anything out of him. Um, so yeah, I think. It, it, there is, uh, there. I think, especially when you are younger and you want immediate success, um, because that's how your brain operates. I guess um, and you're so used to having things your way at, at that age that, um, yeah, I, d- I don't understand how, why I carried it on. I don't understand why you know some some of the games that I've played since um, and have gone terribly in the first couple of seasons, but I've ploughed through. I don't understand what motivated me to, to plough those through <laughs> on the later ch- uh, football managers as well. So. Um, Yeah, it's it's been a learning curve um, around patience and uh, how much of a virtue it really is. So, uh, a lot of life lessons, as well as geography lessons and and, uh, (laughs) footballing lessons have come from Championship Manager and Football Manager.
2: Yeah, uh, one example I remember is I was playing in '96, '97. I must have been, as Newcastle, as was usual, losing all the time. So, I resigned and took over Man United, And my first game was against Newcastle. And I was three nil down after twenty minutes to Newcastle. <laughs> I was like, ah, just, no, it's just not going to work. I think, uh, I think Steve, how are you? You're obviously Barcelona bottom from you. I think you scored twice <laughs> against me from corners. I think it's just not it's just not going to be my ideas.
0: <laughs> no, this is, this is, there was a story on there. Not not to hop back to quickly, Kevin, but I'm sure there was a story on there about someone that managed it that spent like twenty, thirty years on the game. On the, it might have been ninety seven, ninety eight, and got promoted once, relegated once, and then stayed in, like, Division 1 for the rest. And it's like, how how can you keep that motivation level up to just float in mid-table and never leave your team? But obviously something motivates us. There's probably a good psychological study behind a lot of football manager and championship manager play. I to that. be had.
2: To- I remember that story actually with uh, I think it was Plymouth. Um, I remember thinking like I wonder if he didn't know the game was going to end because it I couldn't st- get cut off over thirty seasons. So I wonder if yeah. he just like thought Ah, this will be my year, and then just comes up with you know end of game. So
0: yeah, well like Liverpool fans famously always said this year was their year, and, and it never happened. And then obviously the season's cut off <laughs> when it is about to be their year. So maybe that was the same for the <laughs> the Plymouth manager on uh, CM yeah. ninety seven ninety eight
2: poor bloke. I'd love to track him down. There's a lot of these people I'd love to track down like. They've all got quite interesting stories to tell, but uh, it just comes and goes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I asked you if you would like to put together a CM5-a-side team. Have you, uh, have you had a think about this over the last couple of days?
0: I have done. Um, I've used some artistic licence, which I'll, I'll, I'll get no, I'll, into. That's fine. We, uh, li-
2: we like artistic licence. Um, what, uh, what what sort of formation have you lined them up in? Uh, I think I've
0: got... Well, this is where <laughs> the artistic, artistic licence has come in. So, um in my in, in goal i 've gone for nicholas alexanderson because well yeah he 's the most adaptable player on champ manager He can play in defense midfield he's a forward left right, and center there's absolutely no reason why he can 't also play as a goalkeeper so um he's in goal he' is a miraculous. I remember really loving him as a, a real life footballer when he's at sheffield wednesday and and, uh, and things um Lord knows why I really liked him. I think he just had a, 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 and he was at Everton as well, if I remember rightly. I think it's just the the fact that he had just a really long name um, (laughs) that was would bankrupt any parent that um, whose child insisted on uh, wearing the shirt. Um, But yeah, so I've gone went for him in goal Um, in defence. Taribo West, Um, who's a bit of a between him and. Mike Duff, if we're being honest, I'm mm. well, I'm Philippe Albert, uh, but that would be purely for uh, non-championship manager reasons. Reason. <laughs> uh, but Toribo West, I, I I loved him at the '98 World Cup, uh, and obviously had the beads in his hair. He just looked like no footballer that I'd ever really seen before, and to be able to get someone like him on a free transfer at the start of. Uh, a new game of Championship Manager, and you'd know that about 20, 30 other clubs would all be offering him a contract as well. But if you were the one he picked, I think you uh, you almost thought you were guaranteed some success.
2: It always, um, always amuses me when you load up a new one or two and obviously the first thing you do is offer West a contract. Some of the clubs yeah. that offer him a deal. like They're very ambitious. Like, they're these very like downtrodden <laughs> clubs who think, ah, we can get to either West, but he's playing for like, Champions League clubs getting nines. Like, it's... Uh, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, he's a brilliant footballer
0: in real life. There was um, another another Plymouth uh, legend. I think he ended up uh, at Plymouth when he was about forty. Whether or not that's what he claimed his age was is a different uh, different story. Um, and so my midfield, um, there can there can be only one midfielder, which is obviously Mark Kerr. Oh, yeah. uh, I think my favourite thing about Mark Kerr is, and this is this is going to broach into the sort of new gen, regen area of debate. Is the fact that Mark Kerr is not a wonder kid. And I'm going to stand by that. He is a mathematical anomaly in the fact that he is so good because his attributes are sort of dictate a certain way that he is uh, obscenely good, but he's not meant to be that good in the way a wonder kid's supposed to be that good. Like Cherno Samba is a wonder kid because he was like, his potential ability, current ability was so high. Mm. Whereas Mark Kerr just happened to have a certain blend of attributes which made him really good but he was never sort of picked up as a wonder kid which i quite like that the fact that he's the unassuming wonder kid because that's that's not what he was supposed to be it,
2: um, he um he's actually a really nice guy mark uh, i was lucky enough to meet him a few years ago um he takes it all in his stride like i think he's quite baffled by the whole thing really but um he uh he had the chance to go to like i think it was forest he was on trial at, i think he said uh, but didn't happen for, for various reasons. Um, did you find Mark Kerr was always massively injury prone?
0: Um, no, not particularly. I, the thing about Mark Kerr was, I usually would start CM uh, as uh, as Newcastle on that particular version. Um, Newcastle, obviously, their midfield uh, was was so. Good. <laughs> it feels strange saying that Newcastle had good players now, <laughs> but New, Newcastle's midfield then was so good with the likes of Gary uh, Gary Speed and and Robley and you know kieran dyer younger players like that as well that mark kerr was was much of a muchness almost it feels you know heinous to say that about um a championship manager legend like mark kerr but when you already have those midfield options i think i m- must have rotated him enough that i never noticed how injury prone he he may have been um speaking speaking of which um on that championship manager silvio marich was at newcastle and i don't know why but i absolutely despised him um, <laughs> Uh, from a real-life point of view. And I don't understand what he ever did, but I would um, fine him two weeks' wages every two weeks until he kicked up enough fuss to leave. <laughs> just didn't just didn't like the fella. Don't know what he ever did to me. But he's not made it into my five-a-side team for reasons that uh, remain unclear for both myself and Silvio. <laughs> um, so my other midfielder is, is Chris Bart Williams. Um, he was, when I first started playing championship manager... Um, the two pieces of advice that my brother gave me were to play direct, which, um, obviously, uh, works out well. And to always sign Chris Bart Williams. Um, so I've picked him because, uh, my brother would be very unhappy if I didn't sign Chris, follow his advice and, and pick Chris Bart Williams. Um, I have no memories of how good he was on, on championship manager, whether my brother's advice was actually any good or not. Um, or just a lot, like a lot of the advice he gave me throughout his life. Absolutely terrible. um, <laughs> And then, so up front, we've, we've touched on a Strock. I can't put him because, obviously, he's not championship manager. Um, so I've picked another fictional uh, striker. Uh, not fictional in the same way, but Toma Dira. Um The story of Toma Madeira is obviously a wonderful one that someone just snuck there, either themselves or their friend in there. Um, the database was never thoroughly checked, and they'd made him one of the best strikers in the entire world, and he was at some very lower league Portuguese team. So I just love love the fact that it's Championship Manager Miles and, and the whole of Sports Interactive and EDOS and Domark and the various Sega and whoever they've been over the years. Uh don't make very many mistakes. But um this what one, this one's obviously very high profile, very big and very funny. Um I know Miles possibly doesn't see it that way. Um, but it was funny. And I, I do like the fact that this fictional striker, um who was never a professional himself, uh, made his way into so many people's consciousness. Um, obviously that was then so half replicated, not quite to the same level um, with, with young slash old Avicca.
2: <laughs> I wonder if, um, I think the guy was called Antonio Lopez or something, I wonder if he got like a, a stern telling off for it or anything, or if he like just carried on as normal, just played, played ignorant to it.
0: Yeah, just a, just a typo or something. He was meant to type someone else's name, yeah. and he got the numbers wrong. You could you could feign ignorance, I suppose, um, but it is just just great that that happened, um, and the fact that they didn't just sneak him in, you know, subtly. They made him really, really good. <laughs> like it was going to be found out quite quickly. If they just made him quite average, they probably could have got away with it. Um, but no, you, you. if you go, if you do that, it's like when I used to make myself on Championship Manager in the database, I'd never make myself realistic. Um, injury-prone 20-ness, <laughs> um, finish, finishing about 8 and put myself up front. No, you'd always make 20s and 200s where where possible. And uh, that seems to be what that person decided to do with uh, old Joe Madeira.
2: Yeah, the only thing I never really understood about that is why it's so cheap, because as you say, it's obviously very good in the in the editor in the database whatever you want to call it but he's available for like 20 grand if that's like you'd, you'd think his value would be a lot more than that
0: i know well, it soon goes through the roof if you get him playing right um which much like ibrahima Bakyoko, i don't think i ever quite did but <laughs> um i'd still sign him every single time just to make sure nobody else did
2: oh you've got to play it safe so same, i know same with Cherno samba i mean he, he's probably my equivalent like everyone loves Cherno samba I, I, another guy i've spoken to great chap but uh could never get him playing on champ man uh i don't know why because everything about him says if you play him you'll get very good like that's literally how the game works but never yeah. really, never really worked out for me
0: no it could have been uh it could have been so much more for for a lot of a uh, lot of people but like you say i think he's another one where uh, quite my story with uh football manager championship manager strikers is a barren one um <laughs> but uh, i think yeah cherno samba is another one that i think i struggled with as well so uh but yeah, that. So my, I think my five-a-side team, apart from the goalkeeper, I think that I think they'd. But he could. He could. They could rotate the goalkeepers, I suppose. Uh, you Never know. Tom Madeira, the real-life person, might have actually been a very, very good goalkeeper. Um, but certainly, so that's not a risk I'm willing to take. So Nicholas Alexanderson can stay in goal.
2: Yeah, and the good thing is he could play out from the from the from the goal. She's um, very good with his feet, I imagine. So. It's like, if it's 5 side team you play, they've got a goalkeeper, they're lucky. Like a lot of teams just have have the worst outfield player in goal, which is pretty, yeah, much, ju- what, pretty much what you've done here. So
0: Yeah, just someone that happened to bra- happened to bring some gloves that week. That's, yeah, seems to
2: be how it works. <laughs> um, I think it's about time we uh, talked about Evita stroke. Yeah. Um, can you start from the beginning, for anyone who's not aware of this? Because, as I said to you when I uh, contacted you about this, to me... This guy's kind of blazed a trail for people like me because this was the story that people got a hold of and people read and people loved. Um, and you know, if, if none of that had happened, I'm not sure the, <laughs> the community would be what it is today. So, if you wouldn't mind indulging me from the start, please, that would be great. I'll take you back.
0: I'll take you all the way back to 2012, which is, to me seems like it was a couple of months ago, but is now eight years ago. Um, so, Chapman. Sorry, I'm so used to saying Championship Manager already. (laughs) Football Manager, as it is now, um, 2013 came out, and obviously I I, uh, bought a copy of it. Um, I struggled to get into it, as I think a lot of people do when the new Football Managers come out. Um, Try and get used to new databases, new tactics, find out what works, find out what doesn't. Um, So I think I parked uh, Football Manager 2013 a bit, didn't didn't really... um, get much enjoyment out of it. Um, And then I went to a gig um, by a a performer called Amanda Palmer, who is married to Neil Gaiman. Um, She was in a band called the Dresden Dolls. Um, I didn't really want to go to this gig, if I'm being completely honest, but I thought I'll make the best out of a bad situation and start a game on on Football Manager as um, Dynamo Dresden, which is the logical thing to do. um, so I started the game with Dinamo Dresden, it went badly wrong, um, I did manage to sign Thomas Nesid, who is uh, another football manager, a um, bit of a legend, um, signed uh, Emil Heskey and Michael Owen for Dinamo Dresden, um, but it, it didn't quite work out and uh, I left after a couple of seasons, went to Brighton, um, basically almost bankrupted them by putting Jermaine Genus on a massive contract. <laughs> um, so they sat me after six months because of my poor financial stewardship. Um, made my way up to Hearts in Scotland. I think this was about 2016 on the game by this point. And... Um, Signed some good players, found John Gadetti, signed Lucas Fabianski for Hearts, but um, only managed to finish second in the league, lost a lot of cup finals to, to Celtic, got sacked after a couple of years. So obviously this is, like we put, touched on earlier, what's making me carry on this if I'm not performing, but I was still digging in, still going. And then Celtic, Neil Lennon left to join West Brom. Um, so Celtic must have seen something in me when I was running them close with Hearts and offered me the job. And... Celtic were in dire straits, uh, to put things um, bluntly. They were still had Georgios Samaras up front. Uh, um, so this was 2017, so four or five years uh, seasons into the game. Um, Georgios Samaras really should have been uh, put out to pasture uh, by that point. Um, and so I needed a new striker, and so I sent my scouts all around the world to find me a new striker and uh, got a report back that said there was a, a a uh, new gen called Avicja Strock. He's still playing in Croatia. He's 18 years old. Uh, five-star potential. Uh, click on him, uh, see who's interested. And like Barcelona are interested, and PSG and Chelsea and Bayern Munich. And it's like, well, like you say with Teribo West, why why, why is Celtic trying kind to of bid for this player when, <laughs> when arguably Barcelona or Real Madrid will be favourites? But... I think I offered something that they couldn't have made him a key player and matched highest in a clause because he would have been by far the best player in Scotland. Um, so £5 million, 18-year-old. And he joined me in, in uh, January 2020 in the game. And I rotated him with my other striker at that point, my a different new-gen striker, um, who my scouts and coaches thought was quite good, but he was nothing in comparison to Avicu, and that became uh, abundantly clear. So in... Uh, my first full season with Avicca, um we won the Europa League. We beat Napoli 4-1 in the final. Avicca scored two. Um, and then the next season, we won the Champions League. Um, and Avicca scored in that final, beating Chelsea 2-0. And uh, so he was—he stayed with me for 22 seasons at, at, Celtic, at Celtic Park and, and then later at Sharples Park, obviously, and named after their greatest ever manager. We won four Champions Leagues, won the league, Pretty much every season, I'm going to put pretty much in there because Hearts became the, my success in Europe. Um, meant more money came into the league, and Hearts became very clever in their signings, um, and they managed to nick a couple of, of Premier League titles off me. Um, they still not won the Champions League, although they got to a final and lost. And I was very worried that they would they would uh, win one. Um, but yeah, so just scored eight hundred and I think eight hundred and thirty-six goals um, in nine hundred and three appearances. I'm I'm guessing off the top of my head. I haven't quite remembered that <laughs> properly. But um, yeah, just blew absolutely everyone out of the water. And uh, even now, every time I sign a new striker, because uh, I'm still playing the same same game of Championship uh, Football Manager uh, twenty thirteen now, every striker I sign has obviously got very big boots to fill. Um, no one's quite come close to his goal scoring record. I think the closest someone's come was six hundred and something goals for celtics, obviously still two hundred behind um but i I loved Avich um very much he was um became captain at one point um I basically treated him better, and you know, you know how it is. You like to write your own storylines around around certain players, especially new gens. And he became basically like my my number two. Um, unfortunately, he definitely wasn't going to remain in football uh, once he retired. So I had high hopes of making him my assistant and then leaving for the England job, um, and he would take over from me. But it was never quite to be. But. During that time, uh, we've talked about my brother quite a bit on this. Um, He was my first introduction to to Championship Manager, but he passed away um, in 2014. Um, And like I say, he was my big introduction to to Football Manager, to Championship Manager. Um, And I thought, Championship Manager fans um, and young men, uh, which is the most at-risk category, I suppose, demographic of of suicide, which is how my brother passed away, Um, they're basically one in the same. And so I thought I can use the story of Avicii Struck because I'm so obsessed with him, and, and I played a lot of Championship Manager, a lot of Football Manager after my brother passed away, and won won several Champions League with Avicii in that grieving period, which softened the burden the, the my, most minute amount. But um, yeah, so I thought I, I can I can tell people this story of, of how I became so obsessed with this one player on Football Manager and how he scored all these goals, and then. Uh, yeah, I made a, uh, a football program for Avicis testimonial from July 2042 um, and sold those and raised money for CALM, who are a, a men's mental health and suicide prevention charity, and we raised money that way. And then people were very interested in what I had to say about Avicis and, and how um, it helped me and how we'd used it to raise money. Um, so I spoke to oh, loads of people, uh, champ, football manager themselves, uh, calm themselves, uh, the BBC World Service, BBC Sport, uh, the Scottish Post, uh, Bleacher Report, Vice, loads of people were interested in it. And I think uh, eventually Avicis, uh shirt, which I had printed, a Celtic shirt with a Strock 10 on the back, and one of the programmes went into the National Football Museum for a, an exhibition that they were doing around Football Manager and FIFA and how they've impacted on real-world football. And um, it was just very surreal to be there and, and see something that I'd helped curate and helped bring to life, um, step into the real world. And like I say, people are interested in, in talking about it. And I think one of the big things, I'd done stuff before I got shirts printed with uh, players who didn't play for that club's name on the back and, and had only impact on them on Football Manager. Um, and I think a lot of people take to it, I think, because... I think it's what a lot of people would love love to do around their, their games on Championship Manager, Football Manager. They'd love to get a shirt with their favourite new gen's name on the back or they'd love to create a pr- programme um, with loads of managerial notes about how their saves are going. Um, and I'm the one that's stupid enough to actually go and do it. Um, so I think people like it in that respect, and it's been great in helping uh, a really worthwhile charity raise some extra money and bring some extra attention to them. Um, like I say, I've each joined in the game, um, joined Celtic in January 2020, um, which was just a couple of months ago in real life. Um, so we did a fundraising raffle then, got loads of great prizes from um, classic football shirts, from football managers themselves, from Mundial, from The Athletic. Uh, from loads of people were really generous in in what they donated as prizes. And we did that and raised some more money for for Calm, and people donated their time. There was um, a launch video which featured Pete Graves from Sky Sports News and Chris Sutton, another great Celtic striker, um, uh, doing some stuff from the BT Sports Studio. Um, James Richardson talking about it on the Totally Football podcast. So... Um, James Richardson had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. I just gave him the script and asked him to sort <laughs> it out. And he just read it like a complete professional and no idea what a feature struck was. Not even sure he really knows what football manager is and hopefully knows what Celtic is. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's been a, a rollercoaster journey oh, of yeah. uh, oddness. And, and, but like you say, people seem interested and um, I, I, each has his own Twitter account, which he doesn't update much at the moment because he's out out shooting grouse in the Highlands and he's technically now in his uh, 70s. Um, If the game of uh, I'm playing on Football Manager is anything to go by. So he's not got a lot of time to update that at the moment, but every so often I'll see someone uh, follow that account who's made an account for their own uh, new gen as well to document how that's going. So it's a surreal thing to see in many respects, how you've impacted on the real world, how people really enjoy it and and want to to replicate it for themselves. And, uh, yeah, Avic has been a a great footballer, but a burden and a curse on certain parts of my life. But (laughs) um, also been a great way to to raise money for awareness for a charity as well. So, um, yeah, now... um, i i like I said, I'm still trying to re- really replace the amount of goals that he scored, but it was just obscene um, how 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 often he would score um, the types of goals he scored. The, the real life equivalent, because obviously you've got to imagine who his real life equivalent of course, was. So, of I, I would imagine he was more, more a bit of a Zlatan Ibrahimovic type, big, strong, scored a lot of different type of goals, but very arrogant and mm. a bit annoying, a bit annoying with it. So um, that's that's how I picture who Evita Struck was. Um, but what I, love, what I love about it is that people like the BBC and and other, other fans of football and things like that have taken an interest in it, but they'll never have a feature struck in their game. And it's just completely unique to my game, but people are so interested in that aspect. Um, and it's very, very hard to uh, explain to people. Um, my sister um, has absolutely no idea what... She'll happily share any of the posts about... How Avisha Strook's raising money for calm, but she has absolutely no idea what any of it means. It's like a, a different language to her, but um, and I, and it's very hard to explain to people. But if you like football manager, you like Championship Manager. I think you think you uh, you understand where it's all come from. It's come from a, a deep love of the game and a deep love of one particular region. New Gen, sorry, Avisha, uh, sorry, Miles, um, <laughs> New Gen um, on the game.
2: Yeah, and that's. <laughs> Everything about that story is, uh, you know, really resonates because you've taken the game which we all love, whatever version of it you're playing, um, you obviously had a, a horrible tragedy to deal with along the way but the game's helped you, as you say, a very small amount but it was still there to, to pick you up a little bit. Um, and it's t- gone right the way through to you being able to share that story and make uh, some charity out of it uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, it's almost like the ultimate save <laughs> and as you, <laughs> it and, is. and as you say the only you will have been able to play it but the fact you can tell it um and i say turn turn it into some some good for everybody uh, i think is a wonderful thing
0: yeah and uh i often think of what my brother would would think of this and i think um he would think it was the stupidest thing <laughs> that he'd ever heard of. And that just encourages me to do it more, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but I think
2: he'd be enormously proud that that session he gave you when you were nine years old, about how do you Championship Manager turn into something so wonderful. So I think he would have been very proud of you for that.
0: I would, I would hope so. He'd still think it was stupid and still wind me up <laughs> about it. But like I say, hopefully there's a, an element of, of pride in what we've managed to achieve, um, me and Avicii, together against the world.
2: <laughs> um, before you go, there's one other thing I'll ask you about, which isn't Champman related but uh, Harry Maguire on a unicorn on a stamp.
0: He, uh, yeah, on the f- the 50 pence piece. That's them. Um, Sorry, uh, no, not a stamp. You're right, uh, <laughs> no, his head would not fit on a stamp. Uh, it be <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was that was an internet Right, that was a October international break boredom so i'm quite concerned about where coronavirus postponing all the football (laughs) once some end will take me but uh yeah harry Maguire on a 50 pound note was uh, that that was uh i think just people had nothing to talk about because the international break so me starting a petition about harry Maguire really took off um but i do have um somewhere in that we moved house and my girlfriend put it in a box and won't tell me where it is but I do have a, a signed 50 pound note signed by Harry Maguire um, somewhere in the house so um yeah I'm I live in Salford and he obviously joined Manchester United last summer um so it would be lovely to bump into him one day in Aldi but um I think he's probably got uh, more pressing concerns or a uh an order out against me to stop me being within okay. five hundred yards of him. Um but yeah, that was that was fifty thousand people signed the petition. Um it went through the roof. The only reason I started it was because someone had started a petition to put Margaret Thatcher on there and I thought Harry Maguire and an inflatable unicorn was much more appropriate yeah. um than yeah. having Margaret Thatcher on a fifty pound note. But yeah my yeah, my um my petition got about five times more signatures, but still wasn't successful. Um but you know, we'll all, we'll always have the, we'll always have those memories. Me and uh, Harry and the inflatable unicorn.
2: <laughs> oh man, see this is why I mean, Twitter celebrity Johnny Gabriel. Some of the stuff that goes viral. You, you... Some of the
0: stuff that. Some of the stuff that comes into my head and doesn't even make it on twitter is, is much more um pressing and concerning, but yeah it's and um, it, it's a a weird life uh but a fun one sometimes
2: you're just so quick with Photoshop and things whenever anything happens like you've already done a, a photoshop that looks legit and it's been released before people have even even stuck at the computers so it's uh, it must be your calling in life I think.
0: Uh, yeah, given that the Twitter didn't exist for a majority of my life, it is a, an odd <laughs> thing to realise that you're quite good at.
2: Um, so just to wrap this up, uh, where can people find you on Twitter and any other social media? Uh, people on, can
0: find me on Twitter at Johnny Gabriel. Um, they can find Avica at Struck 10 The 10 is very important because there's a poor Croatian boy that probably wonders why people are talking about manager to him. Um <laughs> And also you can follow um, the Calm Zone, who are the mental health charity that we've talked about a little bit. And I'm very lucky to be an ambassador for them. You can um, follow them at the Calm Zone, or you can find them at the Calm, not at the Calm, on calm, net is their website. And they run a, uh, a telephone service available from 5 p.m. till midnight every single day of the year, um, which if you're in crisis or struggling with your mental health, um, you can telephone on 0800 585858. Um, just for someone to talk to confidentially, confidentially uh, without judgment, and it's completely free as well.
2: Great stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Man on the Post. Uh, I'm on Twitter at CM9798. Uh, my thanks to Johnny, uh, Dave and Ross for the earlier conversations we had. Uh, and always remember to keep your champ man on the post. <laughs>